0: Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, and all right, having a move down front here. Now, what is happening in Acts chapter 7 is Stephen, the apostle, is giving his defense before the council. Many of the same men that put Jesus to death are responsible for that, we might say. Jesus, of course, uh, willingly sacrificed himself. Many of these same men would be responsible in just a few moments for the death of Stephen, But here in chapter 7, he is giving us his testimony. And by the way of his testimony, he's giving us a history of the nation of Israel. And uh, we learn certain things in Stephen's testimony that are nowhere else recorded in Scripture. And uh, uh, if you want a title for tonight's message, it's Crazy Moses. Uh, You know... Moses did a lot of things that were absolutely great according to God's will. Amen? Uh, If we were to list great personalities from the Bible, Moses has just got to be uh, very near the top of the list, excepting, of course, we understand the Lord Jesus Christ, who does not belong on any list except his own. He is God in the flesh. But as we talk about great men... Moses is one of the greatest men whose life is recorded in the scriptures. And Moses just, I mean, you stop and think about some of the things that happened in his life and how he accomplished them. Uh, It is absolutely amazing. And uh, just to give you a little background on this message, this message was actually uh, uh, put together in... 1997, when we were in the midst of the purchase of our building, uh, because one of the phrases that just kept coming back to me from other preachers as we begin, as I began to explain to them about the purchase of the building, uh, Brother Pete is crazy. All they call you. Uh, are are you totally insane trying to buy this building? And I would always go, yes, absolutely, totally correct. Uh, But we don't have a choice. Either uh, God has to do the miracles or our church is not going to survive. And many times they would say, okay, well, I'll be a part. And they would promise a certain amount. And one of the most wonderful things that happened was, Preachers would promise to help us, and the money actually came in. I mean, there are many times when you get promises of help, and and nothing happens. And uh, we praise the Lord that, uh, make a long story short on our end of things, uh, we started the building purchase. We actually closed in April of 1997. Uh, That was after about... uh, nine months of negotiation with the synagogue that owned the building and going back and forth and we would send them a pap- set of papers and then they would send us a set of papers and finally uh, the lawyer got a hold of their lawyer and said, well, let's just meet together and, and settle this thing out. And, and we finally did and signed all the papers and uh, then we only had three payments to go, $200,000 a whack. Uh, Do each November first, and uh, we just begin to call upon churches and uh, other people and make a long story short, the building was paid off in less uh, completely paid for in less than seven years and uh, we We thank the Lord for his miracles, and we want him to get all the credit but i 'll tell you sometimes. Uh, I found myself, not to the extent that Moses did, of course, but imitating his reluctance and eagerness to serve the Lord. The only problem was he was eager to serve the Lord when the Lord said, wait. And he was reluctant to serve the Lord when the Lord said, go. Have you ever been there? Uh, Most of us have at one time or another trying to serve the Lord, we're all ready to go, and God says, hang on a moment, and we don't want to. Then the Lord says, it's time to move, and we're saying, "Uh, Lord, don't you think we ought to pray about this a little more? God said, no, no, I'm the one that gives you the answer to prayer. Uh, I'm telling you to move. And so we're just going to walk through the life of Moses, and, and if you don't think he was crazy by the time we're done, uh. You probably weren't listening very close. But the simple truth of the matter is God uses crazy people. Because I I like what Brother Marshall said. He said, they tell me there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. He said, I just never have found that line. And the simple truth of the matter is what we need to do is we need to serve God whether the world thinks it's foolish or not. Amen. Uh, God didn't ask you to figure out how to serve Him. He just asked you to obey. And you'll find that it's always better when you do it God's way. Amen? Is there anybody awake tonight? I can preach louder if I need to. But uh, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 7. We'll start in verse 25 here. Well, let's actually just... uh, Go go back here to verse 20 and get the whole story. In the which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came to pass it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed, and smote the Egyptian, for he supposed his brethren would have understood that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, your brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his brother wrong, his neighbor wrong, thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this, saying, And was a stranger in the land of Minion, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it the voice of the Lord came unto him saying I am the God of thy fathers the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob then Moses trembled and durst not behold then said the Lord to him put off thy shoes from off thy feet from thy feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground I have seen I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After that he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness, Forty years. Now, this is Stephen's testimony. He gives us a history of the life of Moses. And if you were to read the next several verses, he would tell us why he was giving the story of the life of Moses because Moses was a type or a picture of Jesus Christ. But tonight, what we want to do is just look at the life of Moses. You see, Moses... As most of us had no control over what was going on in the world when he was born. Amen? And his mother, wisely so, obeyed the command of Pharaoh. Pharaoh had said, when a child, uh, a boy child is born, you're supposed to throw them in the river. And that's exactly what she did at three months. Only she built an ark and she waterproofed it and made sure it would be very safe and that no harm would come to Moses. You know what? Just because the world says to do something wrong doesn't mean you have to do something wrong. Amen? She obeyed both God and the king at the same time. Where was Moses? He was in the river. He was just in an ark. Amen? And God used her wisdom to protect her son, and one of the most amazing unsung facts in the Bible. Moses could have only been with his mother four or five years as Miriam went to get her to take care of Moses as a little child, as only a mother can. But yet, when Moses was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren the children of Israel who were living in slavery. Now, where in the world did Moses get the idea that he was one of them instead of one of the Egyptians in whose the most powerful man in the world at that time was Pharaoh, king of Egypt? He was raised in Pharaoh's house as Pharaoh's grandson. Now, could you imagine all of the privilege he would have had by having his mother, the daughter of Pharaoh, she adopted him as her own son. Do you think he got promoted to the head of the class? Do you think he got special privilege everywhere he went? You better believe he did. In fact, Stephen's testimony was that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and deeds. Now, I want you to remember that in a minute. This is Stephen's testimony under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God of Moses as he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Now, I couldn't imagine being considered a child when you're 40 years old. You got 10 years to go, man. Before you become a real adult. I mean, is that, that is kind of strange to us. And if you want to know something even stranger, most Egyptians died before they turned 55. That was an old Egyptian. And one of the reasons for that very young age of dying was the wicked lifestyle in which they lived. And also, as they have found, <coughs> excuse me, evidenced in many of the mummies and things, it was really easy to die at a young age in Pharaoh's palace. How many of you remember King Tut? He had a slight concussion. Uh, somebody uh, murdered him by, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out a gentle way to say this, but I mean, uh, they crushed the back of his head. He, he was murdered. That's why he died as a young age. I mean, those kinds of things went on in the palace of Pharaoh all the time. And here we have Moses growing up, reaching 40 years of age, which in Egyptian ages would have been way past middle age. I mean, he was in the, in the last few years of his life, if he lived to the normal age of an Egyptian, and it came into his heart, that he wasn't an Egyptian. The writer of Hebrews tells us he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he went out to see the slaves in the field. You've got to know that God used Moses' mother to have an incredible influence in his life. That's the only connection. And so... Moses understood. Mama planted that seed in his head. God is going to use you to deliver our people. And Moses tried. Did he not? When he saw an Egyptian mistreating one of the Hebrews, Moses decided to mistreat the Egyptian. He killed him, committed murder. He thought they would understand that God had chosen him to lead them out of the land of Egypt. There's only one problem with Moses' understanding this morning's message. Moses was depending on Moses, he was depending on all the learning and the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and deeds and he knew that he could get the job done and he failed miserably. In a normal life and setting, that would be the end, having committed such a deed. But aren't you glad God forgives sin? You see, according to Stephen's testimony, it would be another 40 years before Moses was ready, he got the greatest education in the world in the land of Egypt and it only took him forty years to get over it in the desert. Amen. Uh, one of the most interesting things is you study the culture. The Egyptians, they loved the frogs, they loved the rats. And they hated the sheep. In fact, their chief god, one of their chief gods, was a human body with a dog's head, a hyena's head on it. And they worshiped cats and all of those strange things. But they despised sheep. Do you remember what Moses told Pharaoh? If we offer sheep on an altar to God, the abomination of the Egyptians... The people of the land will stone us. It would make a riot in the land of Egypt. And God took Moses, who was trained in all of the wisdom and the culture of the Egyptians, and sent him into the desert and made him a keeper of sheep. In fact, the symbol of Moses' failure would have been the shepherd's staff that he carried every day to protect the sheep. And yet, 40 years later, what did God do? He asked Moses a question. What is that in thine hand? Moses looks at it and said, it's a rod. But don't you know in his heart he had to be saying, this is the symbol of my defeat And the dishonor in my life. I mean, Moses was raised as an Egyptian. He didn't love sheep. He despised them. Now, maybe after 40 years in the wilderness, he learned to love sheep. Amen. But he was raised as an Egyptian to hate those things. And God took the symbol of his mess. And used it as the symbol of God's power. Doesn't that sound just a little bit crazy to you? I love the way God does things. Amen. Now, Moses is now 80 years old. And in Exodus chapters 3 and 4, God appears to Moses and said, Moses, I'm going to send you. And Moses said, "Uh, who are you? He said, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of thy father's. And and Moses isn't content. He says, what's your name? How, How do I know to tell the people of Israel? And God gives us his name. He says, you tell them, I am has sent you. Now, the idea of I am is where we get the word Jehovah. The Hebrew Yahweh is just a transliteration of the verb I am when Jesus was in the garden and they all came around them and Jesus said, Whom seek ye the night he was arrested? He answered them in one word, I am. And they all fell down on the ground and worshipped him whether they wanted to or not, amen? Because he is God. And so Moses said, Okay, they're not going to believe me. And he gave Moses signs. Do you remember the signs? He said, throw your rod down on the ground. So he takes that rod and throws it down the ground. That becomes a snake. And I'm sure that Moses went, where's my rod to get that snake? Oh, wait a minute. That is my rod. And it says he fled from it. And God told him to do something you should never, ever do in this life. He said, grab it by the tail. Now, how many of you know what happens when you grab a snake by the tail? The head swings around and bites you. Don't ever do that unless God tells you to. And I can promise you something. God is not going to tell you to touch a snake. And if you go into a church and they're playing with snakes, promise you, get out of there fast. You have no business being in that kind of church. That's not what the Bible says. But that's a whole nother sermon. God tells Moses to put his hand into his robe and he pulls it out and it's covered with leprosy, white as snow. He has no running sores, but the disease of leprosy is apparent to all. He puts it back in and it comes out normal. He pours water on the ground and it becomes blood. He said, They'll believe these signs. And then Moses goes on in chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, But God, I can't talk. Now wait a minute. What was Stephen's testimony? He was mighty in what? Word and deed. And Moses said, Well, I I, I don't know how to talk anymore. I don't know what happened in 40 years in the, in the desert there, but God said, I'm the one that formed the mouth. I can make you talk. And Moses does something that God puts up with very rarely. He says, Lord, I'll speak by the hand of him you send. And you know what happened to Moses? He got Aaron. Now, how many of you would want an Aaron in your life? How many of you know Aaron's story? See, that's why you need to come to Sunday school. You learn all these things. Aaron was Moses' biggest problem. In fact, if he hadn't gotten Aaron, would he have had to put up with Miriam too? If we took those problems out of Moses' life, it would have been a whole lot simpler now, wouldn't it? There would have been no golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai. There would have been none of the problems that that Aaron caused to Moses. Moses. And after ten plagues in the land of Israel, don't you think Moses got tired of saying, well, Aaron, here's what the Lord says. And telling Aaron, and then standing there quietly while Aaron told Pharaoh. In fact, it was Aaron's rod that did most of the miracles in the land of Egypt, not Moses's. Read the scriptures. Moses missed out on a whole lot of fun because he had to argue with the Lord. And he brought a lot of problems to his people. You see, when Moses was ready to go, he was going to go in Moses' power, and he messed up terribly, and sinned greatly against God and against his people. Forty years in the wilderness, Moses comes back, and God says, I'm ready to use you, And by the time Moses finally gets in sync with God, we're now at the Red Sea. Now, I want you to turn with me to Exodus 14. Uh, I love the wording in our Bible here. It is just absolutely incredible. Moses had been used of God to do all of these incredible miracles. The land of Egypt was destroyed They are now marching out of the land of Egypt. The Passover has been instituted. And we come to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Now, here's the children of Israel. They are encamped at the uh, border of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army comes behind them. Now, look what it says that happens here. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Now that's impressive until you read the next verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? How many of you skipped over that? I mean, here's Moses saying, Hold your peace, God is going to work. And God answers Moses and saying, Why are you crying to me? It was almost, I mean, if we understand our scriptures, Moses was telling the children of Israel, You just shut up and watch God work. Dear God, what in the world are you going to do to get us out of this mess? Now, am I the only one that sees that in there? I hope, not. I hope you can see that. He, the Lord is saying, Moses, why are you crying to me? He says, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, but... Lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Don't you love the way God works? The pressure is building. Something has got to happen. Pharaoh is going to slaughter the entire nation of Israel. And let me tell you. The Egyptian army could have gotten the job done to every man, woman, and child in the nation of Israel. Their backs were against the sea. They had no weapons, no training of their own. It would have been a disaster. But God. Moses stretches out his hand And says, go forward. You know, sometimes God has to put us in that situation so we'll stop arguing with him. You ever wonder why he turns the heat up? It's because he wants your attention to be on God and not on you. Moses wasn't worried about how God was going to do anything. He wasn't worried about giving God instruction or arguing with God. There was only one thing Moses was concerned about. If God didn't do something right now, the entire nation of Israel is going to be wiped out and slaughtered. But God did something right now. Amen? Forty years later, Joshua chapter 2, the children of Israel are coming into the land of Egypt And what is Rahab and the people in Jericho talking about? You dried up the waters of the Red Sea. Let me ask you a question. How many events that happened 40 years ago are you still talking about today? How many events have shaped history? 40 years later. I remember, the. if you remember the celebration of uh, the 60th anniversary of the D-Day invasions that set Europe free from Nazi Germany. That still was not considered in modern times. Well, we're, we're glad of the bravery of those men, but there's nobody afraid of the United States because of what we did on the shores of Normandy. If that were true, 9-11 would have never happened. Do you follow what's going on here? Forty years later, the city of Jericho is shut up, locked down tight, and they're shaking in their boots because of what God did at the Red Sea. Let me tell you, when God does something, He does it right. Right? And he does it in a way that only God gets credit for us. But Moses took all of these things. In fact, Moses carried in his hand the written law of God, the first copy, the first printed word of God was printed with the finger of God in tables of stone on Mount Sinai. And we go to Numbers chapter 20. And Moses threw it all away. Because he had to allow himself to have a temper tantrum. Now, children, what happens when you throw temper tantrums? Get in trouble, don't you? Doesn't work that way, does it? Let me tell you, throwing a temper tantrum never has helped anybody get anything done. Moses tried it with God. You didn't know adults could throw temper tantrums, did you? And sometimes they do. But you know what? They always suffer for it. How many of you know the story in Numbers chapter 20? There had already been the rock at Horeb. That happened just a few days after crossing the Red Sea. This was 39 and three quarters years later. They were just ready to leave the land of Canaan and go into the promised land. And they ran out of water. And God said, now, Moses, I want you to take 70 elders of Israel and I want you to go up on top of this rock. And I want you to speak unto the rock. Now, God was trying to paint a picture. The rock in our scriptures is Jesus Christ. He was smitten once. That's what the cross was about. And all who call upon his name shall be saved. How many of you see that picture? Moses messed up the painting. He smoked the rock twice. And here's what God said. In verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Moses missed out on the promised land. Because he had to express his temper. Is that crazy or what? I'll tell you, it is absolutely insane. But how many of us have hurt somebody by our tempers? Boy, I got quiet quick. You see, if we're going to follow God, it's going to be His way, not ours. And even though you've had great success in the past, does not ensure great success in the future. Moses missed out on the greatest blessing that God had for him to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the land that God had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he missed out on it because he did not sanctify God in the eyes of the children of Israel. Now, let's just take a moment here. I think we can wrap this thing up very quickly. How many of you remember the first time somebody gave you the gospel and you didn't want to hear it? That's crazy, isn't it? Who would turn down heaven? But we all did at one point in our lives. Sometimes God had to work a long time to bring us to that point to where we would trust Jesus as our Savior. Then God said, I want you to serve me. You want me to do what? Tell other people about Jesus? Give to the missions offering? Be faithful in church? Take care of all those wonderful little brat I mean, those wonderful little children in the nursery and the toddler's church and teach them in the children's church and, and, and put up with the teenagers and, 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 and I got to listen to that guy yell at me three times a week? I mean, come on, let's, let's get a break here. But that's what God says do, be faithful to church and serve him on a daily basis. How many of us are balked at, not at doing God's will? Said, so just give me a minute here, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up. No, better be obedient. God's not interested in what someday you might have. He's interested in what is in your hand. He took the symbol of Moses' failure And made it into the most celebrated instrument in the history of mankind. The rod that divided the Red Sea. Tell you what, I like the God of the Bible. And after all that God did in Moses' life, Moses misses out on the promised land. Because he failed to obey God in a very simple thing. He lost his temper. You see... When we do not sanctify or show the world the truth about God through our lives, we suffer for it. But the world beholding us will be condemned to an eternal hell if they refuse the God that we didn't show them. Do you get how serious this is? You see, I've heard many messages about preachers being dragged, kicking and screaming into the ministry. Bible college, lots of testimonies like that, right? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm not for that. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of us that surrender to the Lord. And then mess up because we're just like crazy Moses. God put Moses' life in this book for a testimony to you and I. When it's up to here and you say, I can't stand it anymore. Think about Moses. Think about what he lost. Think about the things that he did. Was it worth it? No, it's not worth it, my friend. Look at the example of Moses and say, I'm just going to be obedient a little longer. I'm just, I'm just going to do it God's way. There's no way to improve on it. Because when we refuse to sanctify our God to the world, we suffer. They go to hell. Let's serve God till he comes. No matter how crazy it seems. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you.